0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall, each year we all congregate, the found dog gathered at the church of Philgate. The scriptures reading from the book and Monson. favorite verse, my God, of Christmas. Journal and the notches for Georgia Bay. Ain't nothing fine or in the lane. Now the 3,000 of our best friends.
1: It's Saturday in that thing. Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. And our esteemed guest this week, our, our guest picker, is former Georgia punter Drew Butler, Ray Guy, award winner, EVP at icon Source, and obviously the host of the very popular Punt and Pass podcast. So, Drew, welcome back. It's good to see you again, brother.
0: What's up, guys? Appreciate y'all having me. Um, dogs are off to a great start. You know, I know Georgia fans are loving it and uh, it's fun so far. So hopefully you keep it up.
1: So we were originally supposed to interview Drew yesterday, but I had my brain is just a pretzel and I mixed up the (laughs) dates, but it was kismet because today is none other than the 37th anniversary of. He's gonna try and kick at a hundred thousand. Is that right? Thirty-seven that's, years, damn. Thirty-seven years. Yeah. So I, I, I saw that somebody tweeted that today. So I went and looked at the the call just because I really do think that's an undersold Munson call. I mean, it's yeah. epic. Yeah. And I, yeah. My favorite part about it is when he goes, it's a sixty-yard kick, and then he just slides in and a foot and a half.
0: You <laughs> know, <laughs> well, the classic part about that call is he never says if it's good or not. Yeah. You know, all he says is the stadium was worse than bonkers. I mean, he worse never says bonkers. it's good or, you know, he made it. He just says it's worse than bonkers. He said, oh, my God, or something like that. I forget. Yeah. yeah. So uh, classic call for sure. R.I.P. Yes. Larry Munson an all-time great. I'm fired uh, up for that E60 or, or 30 for 30 on all the SEC football announcers. That's going to be awesome.
1: Yes. I saw the preview for that when I was watching the schedule release last night. And I was like, yep. oh, I
0: am here for that. Yeah, uh, that's be sweet.
1: Gonna be, that's going to be fantastic. Um well yeah, so I thought that was cool. I saw it today and I was like, well, that couldn't work out much better, could it? That's so, awesome. Good deal. So yeah. Well, so I know you're locked in and tuned into everything. I guess first off, just tell us what your feel is for this team. Um, just because Boston I's glance has been beyond all the one-field things and the things that we can quantify. This group just looks real tight. Yeah, and we talked a lot about it's how. That matters in a way you can't put a number around, but I just would love to know your thoughts on that.
0: I really like the focus. You know, there's been a lot of off-field issues, whether it's injuries or questions around a quarterback, like with the UAB game. Um, and, you know, I, one of the uh, players I was most looking forward to this season was Tyke Smith. I, I thought Tyke Smith was going to be a guy at the end of the season where you're going, man, what a great idea to get him in as a transfer. Guy had experience, obviously a great player at West Virginia questions about the maturity of the secondary as we came into the season i thought he was a guy that he was going to really shine early on in the season and be somebody that was kind of the linchpin of that defense all throughout 2021 unfortunately he hasn't been on the field yet him and darnell washington both dealing with those foot injuries i hope he comes back soon i hope he comes back for our big stretch of games here that's kicking off next week but um You know, you you see the focus of the team week in and week out. Clemson game was awesome. I mean, if you would have told me in June, hey, Georgia's going to win the game and not score an offensive touchdown, I would have said you're crazy, right? So so overcoming those types of situations, being gritty in week one, going into a neutral site in Charlotte and taking on a team that was in the national championship just a year ago, you know, those are the things where you can't really – you can't really, uh, you, they're not tangible. You know, the, those are the things where leadership on the team gets that together early on in the offseason. You work on those things throughout training camp, during your your mat drills in, in the spring or whatever it might be. That's where you develop that kind of grittiness to where you can persevere and get a W late in the fourth quarter without scoring a touchdown against a top-five team. That's impressive, right? Um, teams of the past, sometimes – If there were questions around the quarterback and it was UAB, it'd be off to a slow start and it'd be close at halftime and Georgia fans would be upset. That did not happen. You know, Stetson comes out and has a historical game. And then you take care of business, SEC home opener against South Carolina. Look, South Carolina is going to go through a huge rebuilding phase and you can double down on that this week. Go up to Vandy, stay focused, kick some ass in the first half stay healthy. Let's get ready for these next three games, really after Vanderbilt that have kind of come into, this is going to be the season right here. Okay. Three games, a bye week, and then Florida, that's it. I mean, you look at the schedule and that's it. When you see the schedule before the season starts, a lot of times teams become ranked that weren't ranked a la Arkansas, a la Auburn, Um, Kentucky, you know, the fans up there in Kentucky always act like they're big time until Georgia's beats them down, and then they start looking towards basketball. Um, but that's it. I mean, those four games with the bye week mixed in there, that's going to really tell you what Georgia football is all about. And hopefully we're, we got an SEC championship game and a playoff run to make as well.
1: Yeah, you know, Kirby talks all the time about the standard is the standard. <laughs> and it really seems like this team has bought into that because it's not, you know, oh, we're going to we're gonna take it easy this week or whatever it may be. And I think to your point, the UAB game I, was an eye-opener for me. Yeah. Because historically, if you file the program, that's one of those type games, CUSA champ from last year coming in, solid defense, uh, stout front seven. You think maybe they're going to give Georgia some problems. And it was just an absolute ass kicking from yeah. start to finish. And that's what great teams do, right? Yeah, that's they what championship
0: teams do. 100% yeah. correct. You know, they don't mess around. They don't make mistakes and shoot themselves in the foot early in the game to give the lower opponent life. You take care of business. You you convert, You convert. don't even get to third down. I think that's been a real key for Georgia, too, on offense, is they're not putting themselves in third and long often, right? Win first down, move the chains on second down, get down the field quickly, score points. I was shocked last weekend when Stetson Bennett was in the game. Shocked, honestly. Yeah. JT took that offense down the field seamlessly the first two drives of the game, like basketball. The ball wouldn't even touch in the ground, chopped them up. And then all of a sudden, you know, you you see the interception. You're like, oh, my God, what was that? And you go, oh, Stetson, why is he in the game? Right? I mean, it's not like you're mad at Stetson for being in the game. Did he earn the opportunity to play the third series? prior week with the historical performance yeah probably but that's just not what you do or or that's not what you do in the nfl you know that's certainly not what you do or you don't see championship teams do that in the past at the college level especially when jt was off to that start (laughs) hell jt could have backed up what stetson did the week before and say now we got two quarterbacks who are throwing touchdown passes every other pass or something like that um i just don't like seeing that because you want to see this offense start to get consistent, you want to see the offense start to build that momentum and that synergy. And doing that just kind of wrecks everything. You're like, well, what are we doing? Let's let these guys really get in a groove and see just how good it can get. Yeah,
1: we were at the game Saturday night, and as soon as Thetson came out, I like hit my brother, and I'm like, "Dude, JT get hurt? Like, find him." I'm like, I didn't look know for if he was in the
0: bathroom. I didn't know if he was stretching. You know, because it happened so fast. You're like, well, why wasn't he in the game? He's off to an unbelievable start. Yeah, um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm not a coach. I mean, that's clear. I'm a podcast host. So that's not, <laughs> that's not what I do. But I certainly wouldn't have done that uh, in that situation. I would have told JT, go get us 42 points in the first quarter. See if you can do that. You know, challenge yeah. is on at that point. Well, I
1: think to your point, too, is I think at some point, even if that was the plan, right, to go to one one or whatever they said they were going to do after he comes out and does what he does. I mean, he was lighting it up and yeah. like, we're talking, everything was fingertips. Like nothing was behind, nothing was in the belly. Like it was right where it was supposed to be. And he just looked real comfortable and ready to shine under those bright lights. And to kind of take him out, I did think he had a little ramp back time up after he came back in where they weren't kind of going all cylinders. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I I didn't I didn't love that? But isn't the hey. old
0: Mike Tyson saying everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face? Like, hey, we exactly. might have had the plan to go 2-1 starting the game, but look at Stetson and go, Hey, JT kind of on fire right now, so you're not gonna play. Sorry, man, yeah. it's football. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's just my thought process. Hopefully, we don't have to worry about that. We can just keep rolling through. I mean, let's just do it this weekend against Vanderbilt. Yeah. Forget the quarterback rotation. We don't need one. We have a starting quarterback, his name's JT Daniels. <laughs>
1: Well, we cannot have you on the show and not talk about this. I was doing a deep dive for an article I was writing this week, and I just – you have to ask boss to confirm this. He's got the receipts in the text. But I'm like pelting him with texts, and I'm like, these Jay Camarda stats are outrageous. Yeah, he's a This kid is off to, and I just feel like it has not been talked about enough. So I just want to give you the platform to, to give your fellow punter some love on what he has been doing to turn fields this year. I mean, just yeah. flipping them every week.
0: Jake, it's impressive, man. I mean, if I could say one thing, he is so much better of a punter than I was when I was in college. I watched him, I'm like, damn, I wish I had that kind of leg. Um, And to (laughs) his credit, he's being very selfless through the first first three games of the season because he's getting a great opportunity to pin the team deep, right? Everybody knows that Jake has a massive leg. He can drop bombs. At any notice, he's he certainly has become more consistent, which is great, especially as he's heading into his senior year. But the weapon, and to to kind of be that pinpoint assassin where, you know, South Carolina, look, dropped a ball right on the one-yard line. Defense gets a safety. I mean, those are Jake Kamara's points right there. And yep. what a great punt that was. I was up uh, sitting at the game. I, I was actually at the game, and somebody said, so why did he drop it like that? You know, he did an Australian rules kick where it was straight up and down. And I said, if you watch number nine, number nine wrapped around. He squared up the ball. He had his back to the goal line because he knew that ball was either going to bounce directly back or straight forward, right? Yep. So he's sitting there and that's just what you practice. You practice that on Tuesday. You practice that on Thursday. And to see that transition right to the playing field, everybody gets amped up because you see that what you worked on has actually happened in the game. Now the defense gets to hunker down. Don't know why the hell South Carolina tried to throw the ball on first down. Um, Jordan Davis goes in there, does the damn thing and gets a safety. I mean, That's teamwork. It's really fun to see special teams get some points on the board. Obviously, the defense converted the safety. But, you know, Jake is going to be called upon later on in the season to kick a big backed up punt, right? And when you have an offense as good as Georgia, or at least as good as we think they are, the competition hasn't been aces so far. He's not going to be on the field very consistently, right? He might have a punt in the first quarter, a punt right before halftime. And then his next punt might be late in the fourth quarter when things are tightening up. So to, so to be consistent and then convert, that's going to be key because even for pod, right? Like pods off to a rough start, two missed kicks inside 30 yards or inside 40 yards, you you don't have the opportunity as a specialist with a team as elite as Georgia because you're not on the field as often. I just right. talked about JT and the offense. Hey, let's get these guys going. Let's get them some consistency. Let's get them in a the rhythm. It's tough when you're a specialist, and they're just score points, score points, score points. Maybe it's a turnover, and you're not going to punt. And then the defense gets the ball, and then they get the ball back. Those situations are ones where you have to be really locked in, and then you have to be extremely consistent, which Jake has proven to be. Um, But damn, he's good. And uh, if he keeps it up, he's going to be beating some of my records, winning some awards, and I couldn't be happier for him. It's awesome.
1: One of the things that's been interesting about him is – he seems to me to be a pretty good athlete. I mean, my yeah. thing—he's a—he's a stick on the golf course. See, and- that remains
0: to be seen. I mean, because I want to beat him on the golf course. Somebody texted me, "Is Kamara a better punter than you?" And I said, "Yes, but I will make more birdies than him." That. That—that will never change. That will never I think, change.
1: I think that should happen. I think. There you go. That's give the people what they want. All get, a little, right. I, get a little IG live matchup. We can do Jake that. Jake against Drew. I'm all for that. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I like seeing at G day, and it seemed like Kirby was having some fun with it. You know, he had Jake line up for some field goals Yeah, and I mean, he's got an absolute just. He does. You can smash a, like, it for sure. He just crushes it. Um, and he missed a couple, a little bit left, but I mean, we're talking like 60 yards. He had some clearance. <laughs> like that kid can, can wail. Um, I want to stay on the special teams piece because I think it's a big deal. I think third phase of the game, probably the most underappreciated piece of the game. This Georgia team has been excellent so far on special teams. And Boston, I talked about this in our preview or our recap episode this week. It's awesome to, if you really look at who's on the teams, Adam Anderson on teams, starter, Kendall, Kendall Milton on teams, great player. It's all these key players that are wanting to be on the field and make an impact. And, and what do you see the role that that can play as the season progresses?
0: It's huge. It's It shows that the coaching staff wants to win the third phase, right? Uh, turn back the clocks. But when we won the Ray Guy Award in 2009, we led the nation in net punting. And like all of us played in the NFL at some point on that 11-man uh, uh, punt team. Like that doesn't happen. Starting yeah. linebackers inside on punting. This was before you know the spread shield punt was a thing. Uh, fullbacks, running backs, Brandon Boykin. You know, like we had just freaks all over the place where I could just go punt it, and I knew they were going to make the play. Um, and I don't take that for granted because I'm. I can guarantee you, Jake doesn't either. And I can guarantee you on kickoff as well. Like when you saw Adam Anderson run down and mess that dude up on kickoff coverage. Like, oh my god, that's awesome to see. And I me and now as a spectator, I'm like, okay, you know, this is, this is what it takes to be a championship caliber team. I thought it was a really cool quote, Kirby, after the game, when he said, we don't just practice to beat somebody. We practice to beat everybody. I was like, that's a great mindset to have because you never know who's going to sneak up on you. You cannot let your foot off the gas pedal. Um, and to kind of set that standard is important, especially on special teams. Again, again, you have so many limited reps in special teams, You cannot afford to take one off, mess up field position, turn the ball over, miss or shank a kick. It's too detrimental when you get into a close game. And you know Georgia will be in a close game. Uh, It's just a matter of when.
1: You you talked about the mindset, and I think Kirby does this a lot season to season. If you really listen to him, he tells you where they're at and what they're focusing on. You just kind of got to parse the words. And even from SEC media days, he talked about how – the focus of this team was going to be connection and that the lesson of 2020 for Georgia was that being apart because of COVID taught them that they needed to understand each other better and Mm -hmm. be more locked in. And he said, they've given up some practice time for what they're calling skull sessions where guys can get to know each other. And we talked about this a little bit off air, but we had um, Brendan Todd on the show last week for an interview that's going to release in a couple of weeks. And Brendan told us that, He went on a tour of the facilities maybe two to three weeks ago. And in the locker room, he said they have players grouped by personality type. So they tested all of them. And then they're grouping them. Damn, I didn't know that. To kind of like lock them in. Like, okay, look, we got defense, (laughs) offense, special teams in one pod here. These guys are alike. They'll link up and everybody will be kind of tight and cohesive. And I'll tell you, man. Wow. you, You can see that on the field. Like guys are into it whatever their teammates are doing like I've noticed we've been at two of the three games and the sideline super engaged the whole time guys very engaged defensive guys when the offense is on the field vice versa I mean guys that are backups are engaged with the guy that's in front of them and I don't know man I just think the way this is all shaping up it it just got the makings of a lot of I think key cogs and pieces that could come together for this team long term
0: yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know that if they did that when I was on the team, they might have put me like in the boiler room with somebody. Man. <laughs> Nobody liked me when I was on the team. No, that's that's great. We were we were just by numbers like one through 13 uh, and then 14 through 28 or something like that. And it was great. I mean, even in the NFL, uh, my first year with the Arizona Cardinals, I came in the day before the first game. Right. And in NFL locker rooms, mostly it's by position group, the, the lockers at the facility, like where you are every day. And then there are some that are like practice squad or rotational lockers, where if a guy comes in for a week or two, you know, he takes it and goes. So I got there the first day before the first game, and I was right in the smack dab middle of all the DBs for the Arizona Cardinals. Patrick Peterson, Gerard Powers from Auburn. So Pat Pease from LSU. Gerard Powers from Auburn, uh, Rashad Johnson from Alabama, Antonio Cromartie. Uh, It was like a killer's row. And we started off the season really good. We were nine and one. So they're like, but you can't move. You can't move. You can't go over (laughs) with the specialist. So I got to become really close with all those guys. Uh, and I still I play golf with Patrick Peterson. Gerard Powers lives back in Huntsville. Rashad Johnson is the uh, sideline reporter for Alabama play-by-play radio. Uh, Cromarty, I saw him uh, year, about a year ago at an event before COVID. So it's funny how those things do happen because you do get connected with those guys because that's when you're cutting up. That's when you're telling stories. That's when guys are kind of being more vulnerable, maybe before practice or after practice or, you know, real life stuff is going on. That's really cool. Georgia's done that. I I have not gotten that scoop. I haven't even been to the new facility yet. My man, Josh Brooks posted that tour, though, on social media. Yeah, that's just a joke. I'm like, what? We were working out in the basement of Stegman Coliseum. You know what they've done with the facilities up there (laughs) at Georgia are unbelievable. And, And that's why, you know, the buy in from the administration now And I think also, like Kirby, you said the messaging. like He gets the messaging out. I think it's unique because the fan base buys into the messaging. Like It's cool. If you look at it from the outside perspective, the fan base buys into the messaging. You can feel it on game day. You can feel it throughout the week. It's special, and it will be more special if Georgia goes undefeated and wins a damn national championship. It's about time.
1: All right, I got two follow-ups on that because you just – You just set me up so perfectly. One of them is you talked about Patrick Peterson in your time in Arizona. Yeah. I had, I had messaged with you that I was listening to an interview with, with Pat P on a, on the foreplay podcast and they asked him, Oh Yeah. They asked me who he used to play with in Arizona because obviously they were teeing it up. They wanted him to talk about Larry Fitzgerald, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I mean, without without missing a beat, he's like, oh, he's play with our punter Drew Butler. He's a stick.
0: Yeah, and we I remember. Like, <laughs> we remember like, the same club and um, great guy. I mean, good golfer too. Got so much better. Athletes like that, like it's unbelievable when they put their mind to something and put a little work into it they become really good at it. Like Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, who, you know, beat us in the 2011 SEC Championship game and returned that punt against me. Like, he is one of the best athletes I've ever seen. If Tyron Matthew asked me, hey, will you teach me how to punt? I would say no, because he'd probably become better than me in about three months. (laughs) Like, it's just those guys are unbelievable world-class athletes. Uh, And it was cool being able to compete with Pat P on the golf course.
1: Well, I want to ask you about Josh Brooks, too. We are huge fans, loved the hire. I know he was there when you were there. Can you just tell our listeners just what a home run hire that was and what he will do to continue and grow and have the Georgia program flourish?
0: Yeah. You know, Josh Brooks means a lot to me. So I was a sophomore in 2008 and I was a punter and I wasn't playing that much that year. I got some like inside the 20 type punts and he became, it was his first year as director of football ops, came in from UL Monroe, obviously was at LSU for a while, and we just hit it off. Uh, we were really close friends while I was in school. I always stayed in touch with him when I was out of school. You know, it's funny, when he moved to Athens, I don't even think he had a kid yet. His kids might have just been born. But, you know, you grow up with people. I've got two daughters now. We have moved back to Athens um, and Josh left UGA to become the athletic director at Millsaps college, did a lot of really cool stuff there. You know, I think then he might've went to UL Monroe for one year and then back to Georgia. I forget what the, the track is, but to see what he did from director of football ops had the respect of every single player, every single coach on the staff, you know, what goes into that role alone director of football ops is, is so unknown to the public that, yeah you really get a really great understanding of who somebody is, what their work ethic is. Okay, let's put it this way. For this this weekend in Nashville, Director of Football Ops back in May is scheduling the planes, scheduling the buses, making sure that the uh, menu at the stadium is right, making sure that the menu at the hotels is right for all the players and especially for the coaching staff, Uh, making sure the buses are going to leave the hotel on time I don't even know how COVID protocols would play into all this. Now it's got to be a complete nightmare. How are we going to get back to the airport after the game? Um, How am I going to make sure that everybody gets their per diem money? It it is so nuanced. It's insane. Josh did it seamlessly. Uh, I gained a ton of respect for him there. Then he starts moving up into the athletic department. Then he leaves to go get some AD experience. Then he comes back and he's working facilities. And obviously then Greg retired. Uh, The writing was on the wall right there. You know, as a former football player, as an alumni, uh, as somebody who supports the university in any way that I can, the opportunity to have Josh at his age as a Georgia yeah. graduate. You know, he got a master's degree from Georgia. It yeah. was important to me because I said this is a 30 f- f- uh, year decision. Right. Josh is right. not going to miss. Right? But if you didn't give him the AD job, I mean, I don't know what would happened. I, what, what other direction would you have gone in Would that person would have kept Josh? Who knows the opportunity to elevate Josh to become the athletic director at Georgia, somebody who loves Georgia, somebody who knows how it works. Somebody who's been there to see what Buttsmere was when we were working out in the Stegman basement to now having these facilities to now chasing a national championship, to have the respect of coach smart, um, and, and coach Crean. And like, it's just, there's so many tears to being an athletic director. I have the most amount of respect for Josh. I have no doubt it was the right decision. Um, and I texted him after Georgia beat Clemson. And I said, I need somebody. I need a statistician to find out. Has any athletic director ever started their career with two top 10 wins away from home? Right. Cincinnati. Yeah, and the people, that's right. Yep. And then Clemson and the Belk kickoff. Dukes Mayo kickoff. Somebody find that out for me because I have a hard time believing that to be the case. Two top 10 wins away from home for their football program. I love Josh Brooks. He's the best. And uh, Georgia hit a home run for sure. We got a lot of exciting years ahead in Athens.
1: Yeah, the thing I have loved about Josh in his first year is kind of twofold. One, his attention to detail is its so glaringly obvious the way he does things. And Coach Rick tells a story in his book about when Josh applied for the director of ops role, and he sent a three-ring binder full of all the protocols he had put in place at ULM. And it was all laid out to show coach Rick every single situation that the football program would have from an ops perspective and how he would handle it and the way yeah. he had done it before. And coach Rick said he called him before he got back to the airport to offer him the job. Like that's how locked in he was. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that in what he's been doing. And then the other thing for me is he's very, very engaged with his customer, right? Yeah, He's very engaged with the fan base. He's messaging people on Twitter. If they ask a question about the ticket stuff, like those things don't seem like they would mean all that much, but I think it is huge because he's involved with his populace. Like, I don't know, man. I just, I'm with you. I just think it was an absolute home run hire.
0: Yeah, you, I mean, you bring up a great point. That's not to say that the people before him weren't, but it's so obvious that he is, and 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 his the players respect him, the fans obviously respect him, the staff and the and the coaches respect him because he cares, and, and I think that's what's most obvious. And I think the opportunity to have that as Georgia's athletic director for somebody who knows how Georgia works, uh, who loves where he is, who got a degree from there, rather than I don't. Know, know maybe a big splash name an older guy who's not in tune with Georgia who certainly wouldn't have that same level of respect or care for the customers on day one that would have been a miss and and I'm glad Georgia did not make that miss they they got it right for sure
1: all right well we want to pick some games with you come on man against the spread I know you don't hate a wager (laughs)
0: No, listen, so, you know, I was off to a fantastic start on punt and pass eight and two the first two weeks against the spread. And uh, last week I went 0 and five. So I got to uh, get back on track here. Come on. Let's go.
1: Last week was tough. It was tough for everybody, I think.
0: Yeah. A couple okay. of big numbers out there and I, I just I screwed the pooch. So we'll get back on track. Let's do this. All
1: right. So this is the deal here. You're fighting for the 10 pounds of red. You're fighting for the Saturday in Athens title belt. Let me tell you that, fighting that thing. Give it, that, that it thing to is, me, dude. This thing, is, thing is
0: real. <laughs> what do I have to beat? What do I have to beat? Seven, seven and, three and three is the clubhouse leader right now. That's pretty impressive. Who did that?
1: Zach Tully from Augusta Golf Collective posted the seven and three week two UAB. Week. Shout
0: out Zach. All right, man. That's impressive. Yeah,
1: yeah. So he, what, he he went seven and three. Jamie Dean went six and four. And we had Aaron Davis on last week. Tough week for Aaron. I think Aaron went three and seven, which is the same mark as last year. It's tough. Yep. So tough that, week. Uh,
0: Augusta Golf Collector, That's some pretty good stuff. Y'all gotta get me in touch with him.
1: Oh yeah. He's he's awesome and loves, loves, loves the dogs. And one of those guys, like I was telling you, you can tell real quick that he's he's pot committed to it. So that's yeah, awesome. great, great guy. Great guy. Um, all right. First game is a Friday night special. I have a buddy who loves to place a wager, and he told me that any game on a Thursday or Friday night is a sucker bet, but we tend to always have one. So. Yep, yep. We got uh We got the flames. We got the fight and freezes going up to Syracuse to play Syracuse on a Friday night, eight o'clock kick. And uh, Liberty is a five and a half point road favorite. Who are you liking that one, Drew?
0: You know, Friday night, Carrier Dome, uh, Home Dog, Hugh Freeze, Liberty. Like, I get it. I get it. Um, I think I picked you guys. I need to pull this back up. I can't go against <laughs> what I sent you. I picked Liberty, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, let me pull this up. Sorry, I just forgot that I picked these. Um, I picked Liberty, but now saying it out loud, it sounds like Syracuse might be the right side to be on a Friday night home dog, but Liberty's offense should be electric enough to win by a touchdown. So I'll stick with my pick. I'll lay the five and a half with Liberty. All right, boss. What you like on that one? You
2: know I love what Freeze is doing at Liberty. I'm going to pick them pretty much every week.
1: Yeah, I gotta take them too, man. I just, I'm gonna pick them till they prove me wrong. I picked them a ton last year, and they didn't let me down. You know, Malik Willis is electric at quarterback, coming from Auburn. It's, I think he's been yeah. perfect for that offense. I think they've got a lot of momentum as a program, and I think this gives them an opportunity against a Power Five opponent to make a statement. Right? Friday night, they'll be on national TV. All eyes on them. They're not going to get that stage a ton this year. Um, I like them to come out and make a statement and and, and cover that number. I, I I think, I think Liberty will take care of us on that. All right. So noon kick on Saturday, LSU going to Starkville play in front of the cowbell chorus. And they are also a two and a, they're a road favorite, two and a half points. Uh, Mississippi state had a real funky game against Memphis last week. Obviously the weirdest, um, punt return for a touchdown and maybe the history of football, two number fours on the field. Was it downed? Was it not downed? I mean, what a swing of emotions that play was. Um, I don't know. I I have no feel for LSU this year. Yeah. Who are you liking that one, Drew?
0: You know that, that the emotional hangover from Mississippi state's loss last week might be too much to overcome. I like the talent on LSU's defense. Uh, We speak about it a lot on punt and pass. Aaron can really give a, a fantastic breakdown of how to stop Mississippi state. I think LSU can do that. I think they can pressure Will Waters with their front four, drop those athletes back in a cover four, make Mississippi State beat them, only laying less than a field goal. I'll, I'll lay the two and a half with LSU.
1: All right, boss. I know that. I know that you ride the cowbell pirate ship with your boy Mike Leach. Is this gonna, Are you are you gonna not pick with him two weeks in a row? I'm about to fall off my chair if this happens. Who are you liking this one? <laughs>
2: out your share then. LSU was embarrassed by them last year and has too much talent on the back end. I just don't see it happening again. And I think that Stingley and company are going to want some revenge this year. And I think they're going to come out with their hair on fire. And I don't see it happening two years in a row. I think they're going to put the claims down on Rodgers and I think they they're going to win.
1: Both these teams are really hard for me to gauge. I thought Mississippi State last year was so, so up and down, you know, like I thought they would come to Athens last year and Georgia was just going to walk the dog on them. And then that was a nail biter all the way to the end. Right. And I think that is what Leach and his offense can do if the quarterback's hitting, but I'm with y'all, man. I just think LSU has way more athletes and I think it's about time for them to come out and put on a show. Also think too, hangover from last week against Memphis noon kick, you know, how, how many fans are going to be in there and rowdy. I don't know if that atmosphere will be as electric as maybe it would be at a four o'clock kick or maybe the seven at night um, when everybody's a little bit tuned up. So I'm, I'm going to take LSU as a, as a road favorite too. So I um, feel a little uncomfortable about it, but I'm going I'm to roll the dice on that. Okay. We've got the Shamrock series this year in Chicago, the Jack Cone bowl, Notre Dame and Wisconsin facing off. Wisconsin is a six and a half point favorite at soldier field. Um, this is another one. I just don't have a ton of feel for just because of the way Notre Dame has looked this year. But what are your thoughts on this one, Drew?
0: Yeah, this line stinks out loud. I mean, I see it and I'm like, how is Wisconsin almost a touchdown favorite on a neutral side against an undefeated Notre Dame team? I don't really understand that. I I think Jack Cone plays well enough. I I, I mean, six and a half. Yeah, I, I will definitely take Notre Dame plus six and a half. Wisconsin has not shown me that they can beat Notre Dame by a touchdown. Um, again, it stinks out loud. So Wisconsin could win by 20, and I look like an idiot. But right now, I mean, give me six and a half points with an undefeated number 12 team of the nation.
2: What do you think, boss? This is the spread I looked at and night when you sent it to me, and I was like, I don't understand this spread at all. It, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Six and a half points, I'm going to take Notre Dame. There, there's just no question there.
1: Yeah, I'm taking them too. I, I love them as – as a dog in this game, Wisconsin's offense has looked less than anemic to start the season, and Jack Cohn's got a little fire to him, and I think that Notre Dame is going to get a little bit better each week. Plus, I mean, Chicago, essentially like a home game for them, right? Uh, now, as boss will tell you, Drew, if this game was in Madison, I'd be singing an entirely different tune. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of my favorite towns in all of America. Um, but, yeah, with it being in Chicago – I, that is just too good a number not to take Notre Dame. So I'm, I'm with you boys on that one. Okay. This is for me, one of the more fun games of the week, uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas, Texas A&M five and a half point favorite Arkansas kind of been one of the surprises of the young season. Obviously coach Pittman has got some momentum there and Barry Odom's D is carrying over from how well they played, uh, last year. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one, Drew?
0: Yeah, I love Arkansas at home plus five and a half. I mean, simply put, I, I'm loving the coaching job that Sam Pittman's doing, but not only him, it's Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator, and Kendall Riles, the offensive coordinator. Kick Jefferson. He looks fantastic. He is having a hell of a start to the season. They have an exciting brand of football. If they win this game, man, the spotlight turns on to next week when Arkansas comes to Athens to take on the dogs. That's going to be a huge game. Thankfully, that game is not in Fayetteville because they're showing that those pigs are uh, honk. I mean, what would you, oinking, I guess. Woo pig silly. I don't know. I'm not sold on Zach Calzada either. Texas A&M quarterback. Um, You know, Haynes King is out. He won't be back. Texas A&M hasn't showed me much. Arkansas showed me enough. I'll take the points for the home dog there
2: you like boss. Uh, you really don't need me this week. I mean, we're basically saying the exact same thing. Um I'm not sold on Calzada at all. And Arkansas's defense has looked great so far this season. I mean AM in general really hasn't shown much. I'm going with Arkansas all day. I think I think they went outright to set up a huge matchup next week.
1: I, I just I'm not sold on them Yeah I'm with you I'm with you boys. I love the hogs this week. Um, I, I think they look great. I I think Barry Odom has done something there on defense that that fan culture can get behind, right? Really blue collar fan base, love some defense, love to just punch you in the mouth. And Barry Odom's brought that. You know, I think I saw something on the broadcast of their Texas game that were they the only team last year to hold Alabama to like 270 total yards or something like that? Wow. Um, so – He's doing a great job there, and they obviously love Coach Pittman and what's not to love? I mean, electric personality. So they're obviously playing for him. They're playing in front of a home crowd. a and is just a weird animal for me. Even when they had Kellen Mond, that offense just doesn't scream firepower to me. And I just think Arkansas I'm, – I'm with you, boss. I think they win straight up. I don't think they just cover. I think they're going to win straight up, and it's going to be a monster. Which – can we talk about this? Why in the hell is that game at noon? Next
0: week, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what's the three thirty game? I forget what that. Uh, they they announced it uh, on Monday. I forget what the three thirty game is next week, but the dogs and hogs will not. Ole beat. Miss,
2: Bama. Yeah, there oh, you
0: go. a yeah. reason.
1: I just There's
2: feel like your that, why
1: that would have been prime for like a seven p.m. or something. But I, you know, it, it is what it is. Not not my choice. Okay, I'm hoping that when you looked at this list, Drew, you like scratched your head as to why this one was on the list. Correct. But I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out. It should have been so it should have been obvious as day. We got Kansas going to Durham to play Duke, the who cares bowl. However, <laughs> that's true butler's alternative alma mater here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, yes, let, it is. Let, let's remember our history here. That is funny.
0: Yeah, good, good memory. Good memory. I'll take my alternative alma mater. I'll lay the 16 and a half. I don't know much about either of these teams. I do know that Joe Cox. And the Charlotte 49ers beat Duke outright in week one. So shout out to my man, Joe Cox, up there in Charlotte. But I think Duke will right the wrongs. Kansas is awful. Uh, Lay the 16 and a half with the Blue Devils. What you got, boss?
2: Kansas is one of the worst, if not the worst, D1 programs in all of college football. Duke (laughs) all day.
1: Yeah, I'm the same. I just got to keep that simple. Kansas stinks out loud. I, I, don't, I don't know a ton about Duke, but they got to be good enough to cover, cover that number against, against the Jayhawks, especially in a road game. Fun fact about Duke. Uh, Duke Stadium, the only place to ever host a Rose Bowl outside of Pasadena. There's your fun fact for
0: the day. I will steal that. That is a good fun fact.
1: 1942 Rose Bowl, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, they were uh, worried about Japanese attacks on the West Coast. And so the Pac-12 champion, I guess then it was like the Pac-8 or something, uh, came to Durham by train and played the Duke Blue Devils. They had the Rose Bowl parade right down Main Street in Durham.
0: That's great information. Appreciate that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm here for a useless (laughs) fact. If
0: only I could apply
1: (laughs) these things in life. (laughs) All right. um, I I love this one. I just think this is a really interesting matchup given the circumstances. But Tennessee going to the swamp to play Florida. Florida obviously coming off an emotional loss last week against Alabama. They're a big favorite, 20 and a half. Uh, Tennessee obviously kind of. Kind of a weird team this year. Don't know what they're going to get out of Milton. Josh Heupel's first year. But what do you like in that one? Nighttime game in the swamp, Drew.
0: Yeah, you know, I think there might be a little bit of a lull after Florida's physical and almost victory against Alabama a week ago. Uh, 20 and a half is just a huge number. I would expect Heupel, Joe Milton, if he comes back, which I believe he will be, didn't play a week ago. Uh, Not that he needed to. I I think Tennessee keeps it close. Maybe gets a late backdoor cover. Florida's going to win, but um, 20 and a half is too much.
1: What do you think, boss?
2: Florida in their first two games lost both of their covers late. I think that happens again this week. I I think they're going to win, and I think it's going to be fairly convincing early on. But after the physicality of last week, I just don't think their heart's going to be in it for very long this week. They're going to get up big and then kind of fall asleep.
1: Yeah, I'm taking the Vols too. I obviously think Florida's going to win outright, but um, I, I just think this screams Hangover, right? They they got beat up last week. It's you know it's almost three touchdowns. Tennessee's got enough guys, I think, to keep that close. And look, if if Joe Milton can hit one of the ten wide open passes that he misses each game, you know that's a score, and that's sometimes all you need to get that cover. So um, I'm gonna roll with the Vols on this one too. Um, All right, this is the game for me this week where I I keep looking at it, keep looking at it, going, I I understand that the folks in the desert always know more than me, but I I just can't wrap my brain around this one. I don't understand why it's sitting the way it's sitting. But Kentucky going into Columbia to play South Carolina. Kentucky is a a five-and-a-half-point road favorite. I say I'm surprised because that doesn't seem like enough, Um, but maybe I'm just the crazy one here. But who do you like in that one, Drew?
0: Yeah, you know, Will Levis has got some excitement around him at Kentucky. I think there's a little bit to be left desired, as they showed with their close victory over UTC a week ago. South Carolina, I mean, off to a great start, 2-0. Brand-new coach Shane Beamer ran into a buzzsaw last week against Georgia. I mean, he even was pretty frustrated with his post-game press conference, which I don't really blame him for. I saw a couple of media members saying it was a bad look. No, it wasn't. I mean, they got their teeth kicked in. I thought he was being pretty vulnerable and frank with the media. That's funny about the media isn't it they always say we want regular answers we want you to show us a little bit behind the curtain and then when he says hey that's a dumb question media members say bad look no it wasn't it was just yeah. reality so I, I think uh, a long way of saying Kentucky should cover this South Carolina they're just not there yet they don't they don't have the, they don't have the depth for a four-quarter fight I'll, I'll lay the five and a half with Kentucky
1: well I see you like in Columbia Saturday night I think the reason this might be close the the spread is what it is is
2: obviously kentucky didn't look that great last week but south carolina actually looked like they have a little semblance of a vertical passing game with dody back under center as opposed to nolan so i think that might be why the spread is i still don't think that south carolina has a chance of covering this i'm going rolling with kentucky but i can kind of see where vegas is on it but i mean i think kentucky should cover this easily but i also thought kentucky should cover easily last week and you know lost some lost a little bit there
1: yeah, the mocks gave them all they wanted last week, man. I was a little surprised by that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Kentucky, too. I, I do think there will be a wave of adrenaline and momentum to start the game. You know, sandstorm uh, in Columbia in a night game. I think there's going to be a lot of juice. South Carolina maybe comes out hot. I think it probably is close in the first half. But I think Kentucky will, will pull away in the second half and cover that. Um, okay, Nebraska. Going to East Lansing to play Mel Tucker and Michigan State. Michigan State is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, had a big win against Miami. Um, let's see. That was last week. Um, huge win for Coach Tucker. I thought it was a statement win, and they looked great. And we're always rooting for Coach Tuck. So, who are you liking this one, Drew?
0: Yeah, I like Michigan State, man. That's a physical football team. I really like the way Coach Tucker has that defense playing. Nebraska, yeah, showed some life last week against Oklahoma. But to welcome them to East Lansing, I think they can back up what they did a week ago in Miami with a huge statement win against Nebraska, more so for the fan base and for the team themselves than for their their ranking, so to speak. Uh, I'll, I'll lay that point, the points, and I, I think Michigan State takes care of business.
1: What's your thoughts on this one, boss? You rolling with Coach Tuck? Yeah, I love what Coach Tucker's doing at Michigan
2: State. Like Drew said, they're very physical. I love the style of football. It's great, but I
1: love what he's doing. I think this is going to be over fairly quickly. I don't think it's going to be close. When Aaron Davis was on with us last week, he said Coach Tucker was his favorite coach that he's ever had. That's awesome. That is enough of an endorsement for me. I am rolling with Coach Tucker until uh, the results tell me otherwise. And I think he is building a behemoth there. Um, I love what he does on the mental side of things, too. He always has a great message for his team. Um, And so, yeah, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of him and everything he's doing. So I'm taking Michigan State in that one. Um, This is an interesting number for me. Uh, West Virginia going to Norman, play Oklahoma. Oklahoma favored by 16 and a half. They have looked, I would say, less than extraordinary through the first part of the season. I think everybody thought they were going to be a bit more of a juggernaut. Cornhuskers gave them all they wanted last week, um, and they were a big favorite in that one. I think it was like 22 and a half or something. So um, where you sit on this one, Drew?
0: Yeah, West Virginia looked great a week ago against Virginia Tech. Oklahoma, like you said, questions surrounding just kind of their dominance. They are the number three ranked team in the country. I just think this is too big of a spot for West Virginia traveling after that big time win against in-state, not in-state rival, but cross-state rival Virginia Tech. I'll kind of close one eye and lay the 16 and a half here with Oklahoma. Hopefully Spencer Rattler, Lincoln Riley figured some things out on offense and, and put the ball in the end zone enough to kind of eclipse that forty or fifty burger mark.
1: what you like here, boss. I know you spent some time at a Mountaineer game or two. So where are you at on this? I have been so unimpressed
2: with Oklahoma this year for the first time in Riley's tenure. And they just don't have the spark on offense this year, which is just so unlike a Riley coach team, and I don't know if it's Rattler or the the lack of game or what, but it, they're just missing something this year. I, I still think they're going to win, but that's a big number. It isn't my game. I think I, I see a batch touchdown late to cover, but I think that you know they'll be probably twenty late losing the cover late.
1: Yeah, I didn't know where to go on this. I can't I can't figure out who Oklahoma is. You know, Spencer Rattlers everybody tells me he's supposed to be the Heisman guy, right? Like supposed to put up the the video game numbers and do everything. And I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's there yet. And I thought this, you know, with this much experience in Lincoln Riley's offense, man, I thought they were just going to come out like gangbusters and just take it over. Um, And their defense hasn't played great either. So I think that's the other thing we keep getting sold is that Grinch's defense is magically going to be good each year. I just, I don't know. I'm not seeing it with them yet. Some kind of a a prove it thing. So I'm going to take, West Virginia too, although I do worry about the night atmosphere in Norman. It'll be electric there. That's tough to contend with, but hey, uh, I'm going to go with with the Mountaineers. Okay, this is a little bit anticlimactic because it's just going to be an absolute beatdown on Saturday. (laughs) So this really is a question of are the dogs going to cover that number? So that's where we'll start true.
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think uh, you saw that gigantic number in South Carolina a week ago and it just screamed back cover, And that's what ended up happening. I don't think that yeah. happens this weekend. Um, Georgia is a freight train. Vanderbilt is not ready. They're more like a high school football team. I mean, that's not to be disrespectful. It just is what it is. Clark Lee will probably get things going the right direction there. I think, it just goes to show the job James Franklin did at Vanderbilt, which is kind of tough for me to say. Um, but dogs take care of business in a big way. Hopefully, we're a couple couple drinks deep on Saturday afternoon, and we can start flipping the channels around, cash that bet, and get ready for 330.
1: All right, boss. The last time the dogs were in Nashville, we were in the house, and it was not close, and the stadium was full of dogs. <laughs> What, uh, what do you think? You think they're covering yeah, this it was, or what?
2: Yeah, I do. And I think for once that – Kirby's not one to really put salt in the wound, so to speak, but I think for this one, for all those players that didn't get to play last year and got their senior day canceled, for the players that aren't there and the players that remember that and all their friends that didn't get to play in their senior day last year, I think he might put some salt in the wound this year and just let them, let them play. And I, I could see this being just an absolute curb stomp, 50 burger plus. Uh, it's just not going to be close.
1: Curb stomp, unintended? I mean, I kind of like that. <laughs> might <have to> roll, <laughs> I might have to roll with that.
2: <laughs> not intended, but I it like works. I like that.
1: Yeah, I'm taking them to cover too. I think this kind of speaks to where they are this year as well. I think in the past, you were always a little bit nervous about seeing a big number behind beside Georgia because you just didn't know if they were going to Get to that point, and this year I just—I'm not really thinking about it. I took the—I took them last week and didn't even—didn't even blink. I mean, you know, that was unfortunate with the late cover after the fumble. That probably wasn't a fumble, but you know, it is what it is. Tough breaks happen, but I'm taking them too. I think they just walk all over Vandy. Uh, Vandy's talent is just not there in any phase. I was talking to somebody and I said Georgia could sit every single starter on the two deep and they could still probably cover. Um, and I still feel that way. So I think I think it's gonna be a big, big day for the dogs in Nashville. So all right, Drew. I feel pretty good about your picks, brother. Maybe that's because I've also picked like nine of them. So yeah, I, I think you, you guys fantastic. both did. I hope I do great.
0: And then <laughs> then we all win, that's for sure. But um, yeah, pretty straightforward card this week. I'm excited to watch football, man. Um, supposed to be like 50 degrees tonight, too. I'm in Atlanta, fired up for some fall weather. Let's get this thing going, man, and uh, yeah, go dogs!
1: All right, Drew. Before you get off here with us, I need you to tell all our listeners how they can support you. How can they follow you? How can they, you know, support Icon Source? Yeah, Just tell our listeners everything they can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm at Drew Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you don't follow the podcast at Punt and Pass, Aaron Murray and I, twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays, and then Icon Source is awesome. If you are a business owner that wants to endorse a student athlete with an NIL deal, go to icon source, free to use, free to create a brand profile. We have thousands of student athletes, tons of Georgia student athletes across all different sports where you can send them any type of endorsement opportunity, social media, activation, in-person appearance, speaking, engagement, commercial shoot, whatever you want. You can engage directly with them, do it compliantly as we are integrated with Georgia's compliance office. That's what we do. And it is fantastic because we're about 90 days into this brand new industry and the excitement continues to grow every single day. So if you're a business owner, if you know a business owner, if you want to support a Georgia student athlete or any other student athlete at another school, head on over to icon source, free to sign up, free to keep your profile and you can engage directly with all these rockstar student athletes. So I appreciate you guys very much for having me on.
1: Yeah, Drew, you're welcome anytime, brother. And uh hey, don't uh don't don't slow play punt and pass. This a big fall for punt and pass too. You guys had a big announcement this fall too. Tell the people about that
0: yeah yeah so we partnered up with uh, 680 the fan here in Atlanta and Southern Sports Today Network so if you're in your car on the weekends and you flip on over to 680 sometimes you'll hear Aaron and I they syndicate our show in Atlanta on 680 on the weekends it is also syndicated on the Southern Sports Today Network so that's a lot of the college towns smaller southern towns around the southeast which is our core demographic Uh, so it's been a great partnership so far we appreciate all the support look five years ago we started punt and pass Aaron was just getting done playing I saw the writing on the wall as well i'd always been involved in sports media love georgia football wanted to stay close to the game that i love uh, and we started it and georgia went to number one in the nation won the sec championship played the national championship in atlanta uh, it'd be a good five year anniversary to do that as well and the excitement around georgia football in general is just a ton of fun uh, and we keep it real over there too so yeah i'm gonna wake up early record this weekend's preview episode and we'll keep it rocking throughout the entire season
1: Wow, well, we're, we're fired up for y'all's success, Drew, not just with the podcast, but everything you're doing with Icon Source. It's certainly well earned, brother, and you're a damn good dog. So thanks for hanging with us, man. Go, dogs, sick em.
0: Yes, sir. Sick them. Uh, go, dogs, and I appreciate you guys. Hey, George is better now.